Welcome to Scale School, my friends. I'm Dan Bolton, and my purpose here is simple. I wanna help you increase the scalability of your coaching or consulting business so as it gets bigger, life gets better. Here we will be talking everything from getting clients, keeping clients, teams, leadership, but most importantly, making scaling simple and fun again. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you get a ton out of today's episode. All right, so we have a real treat today. We have a self-proclaimed cult leader in our midst. He has amassed an audience of over two and a half million men around the world, probably some women in there as well. Um, but I've been really, really um, privileged over the last few weeks to be getting to know him. He's in my home turf here in Bali. We've been hanging out off camera. We thought it was about time to bring it on camera. And so uh, many of the interviews and pieces of content that I've seen him do have been around self-development, personal development. And what I want to talk about today is audience building, monetization, psychology, marketing, business, leadership. And I'm going to kind of get to a side of Hamza that maybe uh, he hasn't shown before. So brother, welcome to the YouTube channel, the show, the hangout. It's great to have you here, man. Thank you for having me. So cult leader, tell me how that developed. Not <clears throat> so much the origin of starting the YouTube channel. We can talk about that. When did you feel like it was going from you shooting videos and sharing your knowledge uh, and sharing this personal development journey to creating a movement that had kind of become bigger than just people watching videos on YouTube? Mm. It was when I realized that the metric that they call it on Instagram and TikTok is follower. On YouTube, it's called subscriber, but it's basically the same thing, it's follower. And what's the opposite of a follower? Leader. Right. So I started to study leadership. I'm reading books by John C. Maxwell, Brian Tracy, and these are tame pieces of advice on leadership is influence, treat your people well. And I'm getting better and I'm gaining more followers by activating more of leadership. And then I start looking into more of the very powerful aspects of leadership, how men have led other men into war, how, how some cult leaders have led people to end their lives just on the promise that they've gave how religion has taken over the world and people have followed these leaders. So I'm researching all of this and even gangs and cults and religions. And this, it, it activated the next level of the skill of being able to speak in a way that influences others to the point that people give up their entire lives to follow my message now. And I wanted it, this to be the first positive cult in the world where instead of drinking kool-aid <laughs> we're <laughs> meditating every day we're not wasting our time with degeneracy with bad music or porn or video games young men are being told to go to the gym and rise up and develop brotherhood and, and great character now i could have done those things just by being a normal educator but i really think that we've been so much more successful in this mis mission because we've made it into more of a movement which i've led and was leadership and influence always something you aspired to? I remember being maybe five years old and playing like imaginary games in my mind as my brother was like doing something else in our bedroom. And I'd just be like bouncing around on the bed pretending that I was leading like a group of guys to follow me in some like chaotic moment. And there was like some girls there who needed me to get us to safety. And I've always known that I have like an, an inherent ability to give advice and to get people to follow what I say. I just never really knew it was leadership when I was younger. 
Right. It, it reminds me of this uh, hilarious memory where my first ever romantic dream was when I was like seven or eight. Uh, I was saving this girl off this TV show in New Zealand called Shortland Street. And I was Superman. Right. And I think what's really interesting is like in, a, in so many men, right. We don't have to uh, just uh, focus this around gender, but obviously you work with so many men. I think there is this uh, call inside of us to live this heroic life to live a life of service, to live a life of uh, meaning, of purpose, of contribution. And so when you've been on your journey, because you, how old are you now? 26. So take us back to uh, your early 20s. Uh, I imagine you weren't fully living out that heroic calling, that leadership, that influence then. And so what were the key moments that like helped you remember the the purpose that five-year-old Hamza that wanted to lead people what were some of the moments or events that kind of led towards you remembering that that kind of purpose and calling was inside of you mm. I lost sight of any kind of purpose when I was uh, I just turned into adulthood and I just chased after my own pleasure and so drinking partying it wasn't just on the level of you know going to a house party and drinking or, you know, going to a nightclub, but rather it was going to a nightclub, taking an amount of drugs that usually would hospitalize people, finishing up in the club when we'd get kicked out because it was 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. and we were the last people inside and then going back to a flat and then taking more drugs to literally 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. So it was very dark times, just pure, just looking for that next little bit of dopamine. And... I was living like this because I was so self-centered on just what I could feel. I didn't even understand the concept of purpose at the time, but I remember one random day through these moments, I went on my phone and I went on Reddit and I went onto the community that I used to consume, which was the red pill, which was kind of like this underground, like evil misogyny, uh, you know, like hateful men's group. Really inside, it was these older guys telling younger men like me to work harder and to develop character and to have respect for myself. And when I had followed their advice a few years ago, that's when I got into the gym. That's when I started actually being more social and being more confident and holding more eye contact. But I had fallen off that. And so I'm, I'm 20, 21 years old. I'm living with a girlfriend who I don't trust, who I'm sure is cheating on me. She thinks the exact same thing about me. And I just start consuming this this message again of men's self-improvement, of becoming more masculine, becoming stronger. And that's where that purpose came in because at first it was just for me. I needed to pull myself out of this hole. I needed to stop smoking weed every day. I needed to stop watching porn. I needed to stop eating junk food and staying up late. And so when I did that, that was the initial stage of my YouTube channel. It was just about me basically speaking about the things I was implementing just for my own gain. But quick, very quickly after around a year of doing that, that purpose, that mission was fulfilled. It was no longer about me just teaching a couple of the lessons I had learned myself to get out of those bad habits, but rather it changed into this movement because so many young men happened to be in the exact same problem, the exact same life that I had lived all this time. And they saw me as their leader because there was nothing special about me. I was living the exact same kind of life with the same addictions, starting from the same point. And here I was leveling up to, to points that 
guys like me didn't even believe we could. We always thought that leadership and being high, high status was reserved to those guys who were born with the perfect genetics or, you know, who were popular in high school. And there was a normal guy who had risen above the ranks and now was a leader of, at this time, maybe about 100,000 men. And every single day, I'm seeing more of their problems. Every single day, I'm going onto calls with these guys for free, just trying to help them with their problems and realizing just how important this is. And it was when I started to think more about the long term and the concept of hard times create strong men and this pattern that repeats through history that the hard times will come back. And this one kind of person that really helps society go through those hard times, it's the strong men. So I realized just how important this work was. And for a solid two years, it was like I had a 24-7 caffeine boost because there was just this energy inside that we have to accomplish this mission. We have to make as many men as possible strong because if we don't, when the hard times do arise, that's when we're going to be wishing that more men in the world were meditating, more men in the world had been going to the gym, more men in the world had been growing their businesses so they had the finances to protect their families. And I remember I made a video just before the, the Russian and U Ukraine war started where I said, truthfully, I am quite ignorant in politics and news and I don't really keep up to that, but it does seem to me that the pattern seems to repeat itself. We go through times of peace and prosperity and we go through hard times where chaos strikes. And I was looking basically at the men who were following me telling them, very soon you're gonna wish that you had been doing these good habits. You're gonna wish that you hadn't been spending the last one hour a day playing video games and, and indulging in these weak habits. The next day, that's when the war broke out and people were going back to this video saying, oh, he's manifested World War Three. I, I didn't. I, I had absolutely no idea that it was actually going to happen. <laughs> Dude, claim it. You're um, like, yeah, yeah, man. And if you do something bad to me, no. I'm amazing. <laughs> no, drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, that was that was like proof of the message that we can't live in this fairy tale that there's men right now, right here today in our time, who are genuinely running away from rubble and chaos and dust as they grab onto like their little sister's hand as they've run away. Mm -hmm. That same guy who's doing that watches my videos. Yeah, and right. Be just because of the fact that he meditated because I told him to, his little sister is alive. It's, it's crazy. That's powerful, dude. And um, I'm thinking back to when I first came across your content, uh, our mutual friend, Iman, uh, I can't remember if you were on his channel, he was on your channel, but you, you know, he gave you a robe and uh, you're out in Dubai and that whole experience. And uh, one of the things that I see a lot of content creators really struggle with is finding their core message, right? So it might start out like I'm sharing what I'm passionate about, I'm sharing what I'm doing. And oftentimes one of the challenges with content is uh, if you were to look at your most popular videos, there'll be themes, right? You're like, ah, every time I talk about women or every time I talk about making money, right? You look at Iman's channel, it's like, 75 different rehashes of like millionaire money lessons for teenagers or how to make 10K a month, right? One of the challenges I think people have is like finding their core message and their core tenets. And the first thing I noticed about your content was this idea, this mythology of Jeffrey and Adonis. So can you tell us like who's Jeffrey and Adonis and how did you come to kind of encapsulate the message in such a powerful way? Because I know you've studied marketing psychology and you're reading Russell Brunson's book, there's the old way and the new way. And so I love that it's obviously about service and helping people and the message is about self-improvement, but it's a powerful core tenet that people can rally around. So can you tell us who is Jeffrey and Adonis and how did you come to kind of create that concept? Of course. So Jeffrey is the modern young man. 
He watches porn first thing in the morning. He doom scrolls on TikTok or YouTube shorts. He's sending out DMs to girls as if he's doing like cold calling, but actually to try and get laid. <clears throat> average to below average grades in university. He used to be naturally intelligent, but it's not cutting it anymore. Low status young man. And unfortunately these men are used as slaves. So Jeffrey is not the bad guy, even though he is the one that that often we're negatively talking about on my videos. He's not the bad guy because we understand we are up against a very hard battle to beat. Because if you picture this one modern man who has ED because he's been like death gripping whilst he masturbates for the last 12 years, he has 10,000 hours on, on video games. He has been eating fake food for most of his life. That one wimpy guy who's got like a soft handshake against the 100,000 scientists, nerds, software developers, nutritionists. That's the state of the world today. One Jeffrey versus those guys. That's why like, I feel so passionate because this is a huge war against evil, against these like evil entrepreneurs, scientists, software developers who have made like these addictive apps and porn and OnlyFans and, and poor food and everything. So that's Jeffrey. We understand why he is addicted to these bad things because the battle is so hard. There's someone below Jeffrey that we'll speak about who is someone bad, who is the enemy and, and we hate him. But Adonis is the complete opposite. So Adonis is kind of like- the, Adonis. Adonis is kind of like the modern man who has, who has overcome a lot of these problems. Not only has he made a lot of progress in his own self-improvements, he is now specifically giving back to others through leadership. So you go through the ranks from Jeffrey to Adonis and you climb up and you ditch one bad habit at a time and you develop the good ones till eventually you become like a man of character who is strong, who is virtuous, who is now becoming financially free, disciplined and humble and who is present and grateful. And that's when you start giving back to others. That's when you start pouring your cup into others because your cup's just overflowing when you do these habits. And so Adonis is basically the leader. Once you get into leadership, that's when you're an Adonis. Right. And so how did you come up with that concept? Do you remember the video? Did you remember the moment? Because I imagine you were, uh, when you first started talking about topics and so you were like, you are currently struggling with this. Let's teach you how to master that. And that's such a, a, a powerful um, tool, but it's externally focused. Where what I love about the Jeffrey and Adonis is you made it internal identity, mm. becoming a new version of yourself. Do you remember that moment, that video, that time where that kind of developed? Yeah. So this whole season of my life at this point in 2021, I had been consistently going on to one-to-one -one video calls, which was very unheard of at the time to do this for free for your fans. And I just, every single day for about four to six hours, I just listened to these young men's problems. And so... I very much started to stand out at just how specific I could talk about problems and pains and limiting beliefs compared to anyone else in the self-help industry. And I started to realize that actually one of the biggest roadblocks that these young men had was not actually the bad habits that they had been focused on. Every single young man would come to me and say, he's struggling with porn, he's struggling with video games, he's struggling with eating junk food. I started to realize actually those are not problems. They are the symptom of the problem. And the problem is mental health. The problem is identity. 
these young men see themselves as subhumans. They see themselves as losers, and so they act as losers. We need a new identity that we can give to these young men. And what identity do we give to young men who have been told that masculinity is dangerous, who have been told that, that masculine virtues of strength, honor, and discipline are, are toxic? It, it's been stripped away from them to ever imagine themselves as as their ideal version. It's not cool to to act like the alpha male you're seen as a bad person. So we needed almost a positive alpha that we could actually aspire to without thinking that we were evil for doing so. So the two extremes were formed in my mind. Jeffrey is the young man that I speak to every single day. Adonis is where we're trying to get to. And where, where, did, those con where did those names come from? Was, it, was there a version one where you're like, there is this dumb guy and there's this good guy. Like, how did how did that part be born? Because I'm I'm really trying to understand. Uh, it's such a powerful uh, message, right? And when it comes to marketing, we're trying to own words in people's minds. We're trying to create categories. Mm -hmm. We're trying to create comparisons. What was that process like for you? Was that iterative? Because it's it, it resembles so much more than two characters that appear in almost every YouTube video. When I was scrolling uh, through your YouTube comments, Literally, I had people like I was reading comments and it was like, hey, Hamza, if you could have just said this differently and reminded me that I don't want to be like, I think it was one where you're talking about push-ups or air squats in a video. And the guy was saying, you should say something like, if you don't do 100 air squats right now, you're a Jeffrey, right? It's like this thing that everyone's rallying around. And so how did you land on those two things in terms of something that you were going to come back to all the time? And how did you name them? It was completely random, honestly. I, I was it. recording a video once and I ended up just saying, okay, well, here's you know, the example, the topic we were talking about. So imagine this one guy, we'll call him Jeffrey. I love it. Jeffrey does the bad habit of the video we're currently talking about. And imagine this other guy, and I just chose a powerful name, oh, yeah, Adonis. Adonis does the good habit. And my editor, Sam, he put the pictures together. So Jeffrey was like this internet meme, Wojak, and Adonis was the Giga Chad. He just put them on without any advice from me or anything. And people liked it. The message resonated instantly, which is probably a little bit of luck because we never had to experiment with this or anything. And it just picked up straight away like wildfire. I love that. I love the simplicity of it as well, because uh, in <clears> hindsight, you know, it might feel or we might want it to have been sexier and more profound than what it was when actually it's just testing and iterating. But I didn't know that about you, about jumping on calls. Uh, were those paid calls or were those free calls? No, free calls. So free calls. So um, Aristotle has this framework for influence, ethos, pathos, and logos. Ethos is about people being able to trust us. Pathos is about people, uh, us being able to emotionally connect with people. And then Logos is about shifting beliefs so that logically whatever we're trying to persuade them to do makes sense. The thing that most people want to skip over when it comes to selling stuff, building an audience where they've got something to say or something to sell is this um, emotional connection, right? We try, we try and uh, mm. make everything numerical, um, KPIs. We, we think about products and audience and funnels. And one of the things that I have been profoundly impacted by in our conversations is your deep emotional connection with your audience and so if we were to uh, sanitize it what you did in all of those like four to six hours a day of calls was you were doing market research right you might not have thought you were doing it like but that's what i think a lot of people skip over is they try and create content but they're not listening to the people they're trying to reach and everything starts with empathy and so how would you say now that you're not doing the six hours of calls a day, how do you continue to have your finger on the pulse 
of where your audience is at and what they need. Of course, that foundational season still serves you to this day, but how do you make sure you don't lose sight of the why behind the what and and making sure that you're talking about things that people really resonate with? Mm. The truth is that I, I have many times lost sight of it. I'd love to tell you that I was some perfect leader who has stayed completely consistent all this time, but often my closest friends knows this, that behind the scenes, I'm still a human. I'm still losing motivation and drive and meaning. Our first conversation was on on meaning and, and re reprioritizing serving the young men that, that I originally just wanted to help. I, I get into the same desires as others that I want. I want status, I want money. It happens to me as much as it happens to anyone else. It's just this constant refocus back onto the mission, a, a, an enlivening conversation, a, a moment of clarity, journaling, speaking to someone. It's not that I've, I've stayed completely purposeful and mission oriented all this time, it's just that I happen to keep going back because of how important this mission actually is. Yeah. And one of the things that you do that I, I love seeing you do is hanging out with people in person because whether you're getting feedback digitally, you're reading comments, you're doing video calls, you're hanging out with people, I think people underestimate that. You know, we, we lock ourselves in a, in a room, we do Zoom calls, we shoot videos and we lose sight of the people we're trying to reach. And sometimes it's as easy as getting on some calls for free, reading a YouTube comments and actually responding, like hanging out with people in person. Like I've just started recently um, getting together with coaches here in Bali and we've got another lunch this Friday. And it's just great to like, I, I pay for lunch. They don't pay to be there, but we all just hang out and I get to hear what they're struggling with, what's going on. And I think it's such an underrated tool to actually be able to then go create really good content and really help people because you know where people are at. Yeah, well, it, this starts with just actually wanting to help these people. So we spoke about this just on, on the podcast we recorded for me that often many people are just chasing after the vanity metrics or the money and so they're just trying to go where where that is possible so maybe i'll help chiropractors scale up but they don't actually care about helping chiropractors so how i got into this movement and into this business and what i recommend when young guys ask me for business advice i tell them well first figure out which type of person do you want to help for free who would you go on to four hours of calls with for free who would you go and meet in person and hang out just because you wanted to help them would it still be chiropractors? Do you have anything in common? Or is it just that they might make you money? Because you can make money and you can gain likes and followers in doing anything these days. Mm. But really for me, the psychological connection that you have, the attraction that you have to a certain kind of person is more important. So for you, it's going on to these dinners with coaches is actually interesting for you. Not only that, you actually have added a lot of meaning to this. So you feel like you're doing very important purposeful work when you speak to these guys. Hmm. I was doing these calls for free, not because I ever thought I'd be on a podcast to speak about it or because you know I'd, I'd subtly mention it in, in videos to sound more wholesome. I was doing it because these men needed me because I had the answers in my mind that they didn't. I had the beliefs that helped me overcome the addictions that they were in and they didn't and they needed me to tell them. They needed me to sit there and to listen and to guide them into the light that I went into myself. Yeah, this is so interesting to me. We've talked to, at length about this. People can screw up so much of the plan of building an audience and contributing by monetizing really, really early, right? And we've talked about this at length where there's like, uh, you can see in people's growth curves on YouTube, let's say, where it's like someone was just genuinely helping, right? They're just sharing their knowledge. Everyone's fine. It's amazing. And then they start monetizing really hard and the growth plateaus or slows down. 
And um, one of the things that's really striking to me about that is the way that you said, I didn't even think I'd be telling the story one day. Because I think sometimes we can put ourselves in like the, I'm going to go on calls, but this is all a part of my grand vision to become this and to do this. And what I'm getting from you as you're talking is when you talk about Jeffrey, there's such a level of emotion, not just because you have talked to the guys and you understand the problems. It feels to me like you maybe saw yourself as once upon a time being Jeffrey. And so talk to us about this relationship of like, of course, if someone's starting a marketing agency, they can work with chiropractors and they've never been a chiropractor, but there's something powerful in a creator creates from a place of wanting to help their previous self mm. right and i would say like that's what i'm doing a lot now is that i'm trying to take uh dan three years ago who had a success on the outside but internally was getting crushed i was doing the wrong business i was doing stuff i hated so i'm trying to create content for that guy but talk to talk to us about that uh framework and kind of um mindset that you've had where you haven't been trying to reach some random guy that you're trying to understand you're trying to reach Young Hamza, mm. talk to us about that. Every video I have posted has only been for one person, just Younger Hamza. That's all I've, I focused on from the start, from after maybe the first 10, 15 videos when I was finding my way. It's just for Younger Hamza, which makes it so clear as the creator yourself when you're just asking yourself, okay, what would my younger self actually watch? What is he attracted to? What's interesting is we're not actually that special. so. Younger Hamza is actually like millions of guys around the world. He says he doesn't care about girls, but that's actually his biggest desire. He is scared for the next time that he's about to watch porn because it almost feels like this uncontrollable event that will happen in some time soon. I know Younger Hamza because I lived like him for many, many years. And so it just makes it so clear the messaging that I have to put out there because I'm not trying to help an audience. I've, I've never once said the words, you guys on a video, not once. Because I, when I look to the camera, I am not speaking to my audience of 2.2 million. It's just my little 17, 18, 19 year old self who needed this advice. And it makes it very easy then to speak in that, that leadership way, which has influenced so many because I have this like heartfelt connection to this young man that I wanna help. When you always talk in collective language, we, us, our mission, our cause. I think that's so powerful because I think it also, it's some it's something people want to be a part of, mm. right? I think the idea of uh, fans and celebrity is really interesting because uh, you think about how it works with sports teams, right? There are all of the people that are out of shape, don't really know much about the game, <laughs> and they're yelling at the people that are on the field. And what you're really doing is inviting people into the arena, right? So as opposed to just being spectators, you're going, why don't we all do this together shoulder mm. to shoulder? And so when you put a call out and you say, guys, workout today in Bali, no one's expecting to come to watch the workout. They're all going, all right, boys, we're going in together. And I think there's something really powerful about that because if people are trying to build audiences, the worst place to start from is an us and them mentality. I'm smarter than you. I have something to say. Hopefully you lesser people will learn something from me. And people might not consciously think that, but their language, mm. the topics, the way they approach it creates a real sense of isolation. So thinking back to when your audience was growing, I imagine firstly, you weren't thinking about growing an audience. Um, I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine the first few thousand subscribers, it was like more by surprise and mistake than anything else. No, it was still calculated. 
even from the start. Okay, so talk to us yeah. about that. Because I had had channels before this. I, I used to post gaming videos when I was younger and I got to a thousand subscribers. So I kind of understood the game of, of YouTube and I did a bunch of talking head, random rant videos when I was like 13 years old. Like when <laughs> it was on the news that uh, the US operation where they uh, killed Osama bin Laden, I recorded a video, a little brown kid saying, I don't believe he's actually dead because they've not shown any proof. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a little bit of experience. I did like short films with my brother where, you know, he got a camera. So we were recording like little goofy things of like, um, worst high school fight ever was it was just at home of him pretending to hit me and putting ketchup on my face so I, I, I had a little bit of experience and that really is what had always gave me the plan that I would be a YouTuber so when I actually did start this channel I already knew some of the things of growing that you know you post consistently you're talking to a certain kind of person but when I started in, in May of 2020 I hit every single goal that I set on the exact date that I said I would. I, I said I hit a thousand subscribers in December. That's exactly when I hit it. So it was always the plan to just keep growing just because I understood the game of not just YouTube, but progressive overload from the gym. So it made it very clear. It was never this vague thing that, you know, it was by accident that I grew. It was just cold calculated reps of just like, yep, just right. post consistently and try and get a little bit better and try and hit a PR in every couple of videos. Yeah. And what was that motivation behind it? Apart from helping people, was there also a level where you're like, subscribers equals status? Were you thinking, I'm gonna build a business off of this? Like, what, what were those thoughts? Just before I had started, I had been working in a homeless accommodation. So I worked night shifts. So at midnight, my shift would start and it would end at 8 a.m. And I'd go there underground in basically this basement where the homeless guys would like press the door buzzer and I just had to like verify their room number and then buzz them in. And I'm sleep deprived. It was a horrible existence. I'd literally like, I'd fap like three times during the shift as well, <laughs> just cause I was bored, trying to sleep on the couch and stuff. And um, I remember thinking like what I wanted to do with my life and I hated, you know, working full time. I was like trying to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't really understand like how, and I, I'd been trying, drop shipping and eBay and becoming a rapper. And, you know, I was trying all these random things, trying to fi figure out which business model was right for me. And I remember reading The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. And he says not to really chase after the benefits or the things that you want, but rather chase after which problems you want to solve. And so I'm sat here underground right now at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. thinking about, okay, what problems do I want to solve? And I'm on my laptop thinking, I don't want to solve the problems of this of this dropshipping website where I'm, I'm trying to resell shitty products from China and someone sent an email that it's been two weeks since their deliveries come through. I don't wanna solve the problem of trying to learn how to rap. And I look over to the CCTV and there's one of these homeless guys sat out by himself right now in the, the middle of, of winter. And I realized that actually the problems that I wanted to go through was the battle of trying to help the young men around the world who were somewhat like me because there, there isn't really that much support. This was long before. There was really male influencers, there was Tate or anyone like that. So this was, men really had no one at the at this time. There was no one telling young men to get into the gym or, or meditation for young men was completely just never spoken about. That was the original motivation. But at the same time though, the first one year was just totally selfish it was it was 
motivated by just wanting to escape like the nine to five. So it was motivated more by entrepreneurship that I just wanted to make 2000 pounds a month online. So I didn't need to work any kind of full-time job that I hated. So that's what drove me for the first like year or so. And I and achieved that. On a practical note, sorry, was th- were you thinking YouTube AdSense? <clears throat> like, or were you thinking it, like, oh, we're going to build products. It's going to be a whole business. It was a mix of things. So okay. I, I I didn't really know how to monetize, but I knew that you'd get some money from AdSense and I knew that I could write eBooks and I could make like maybe a course or something. I didn't actually know about these things back then, but I knew that maybe if I got a thousand subscribers and I sold an eBook for like $7, maybe that'd make 300 a month. Maybe AdSense would give me a few hundred a month. Maybe I was still like selling clothes on eBay and stuff. So maybe that profits like 200 a month or something. Um, I didn't even know about the concept of like, digital products or right. monetizing right or anything like that. I just kind of assumed that by the time I got to a few thousand subscribers, I'd be making maybe like 2K a month and I wouldn't have to work. I love it. When did you intentionally monetize for the first time? So I, outside of AdSense, like, do you mm. remember the first thing you ever <clears throat> sold and when that was? Yeah, it was January 2021. Just hit 1,000 subscribers and I did one-to-one coaching. Hold on, quick pause. So we're in 2023. Uh, so January 2021, you just hit a thousand. Yeah. And when did you start? November? Um, May 2020. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't know that timeline. That's wild. Yeah. Seven months to a thousand. I know the from uh, January 2021, I was on about a thousand. Then at about July of that year, so six months later, I was on about 3,000. That's when one of the videos popped off. Yeah. And within like a week, I was on 20 something thousand, 25,000. And since then, after that first video popped off, I've never really had another video that really popped off. I just consistently gained like 300 to 600 subscribers every single day for two years straight. That's crazy. Okay, so go take us back to that first monetization, January 2021. Yeah, so uh, I set up a Shopify store, didn't even know what copywriting was. A picture of me shirtless like and it's like hamza's one-to-one self-improvement coach the headline was like <laughs> three sentences or something yeah. a massive bit of text like didn't know anything about sales but basically i think i made it uh you know what just before that i had heard of this website fiverr so i put it on fiverr first and i put it like most guys do who have got problems with self-image for the lo- lowest price possible so it was three pound fifty for two hours of coaching. So I was working for less than minimum wage in India whilst being in, in UK. And I was doing two, two and a half, three hour co- long calls for basically less than one pound per hour. And that was like- <laughs> and, and so talk me through that. Was that because you you had, you were just trying to get some reps in or was it that you truly believed that's what you were worth? Like talk me through the pricing of that because that's insane. I had no experience whatsoever when it came to sales, monetization or anything. So it was just like, yeah, just kind of, you know, you put it at the lowest price possible. The only, like the beliefs that I did have around money was probably formed by my parents. And and it was always this like immigrant mindset, which was, yeah, just make it cheap as possible, make it cheaper than the competitor. And um, obviously, you know, that that doesn't really lead to you having a prospering business or even wanting to provide so much value. But even then I, I really did over deliver for these original guys and slowly I was increasing the price on Fiverr. I knew about the concept of like getting testimonials. I yeah. was doing that and slowly it was it built up to maybe 10 pounds an hour, then 20 pounds an hour. Then I made my own Shopify store because Fiverr was taking too many of the fees. Then it went up to 34 pounds an hour. Then 40, like then I was like, yeah. I was a, a big player in the small little pond that I was in where now I've got 
2,000 subscribers. I'm charging 40 pounds an hour. And some people would start to comment like, oh, this guy's charging more than, he makes more than like a, a doctor does. And it was incredible. I, I talk about it like with a, you know, a lot of arrogance on my videos. I make more money than guys who have been to university now. I make more money than even the professors who used to teach me. You must look back at that now and just laugh and go, man, that guy didn't 40, even know. Yeah. Like, here I am now. But dude, I think, you, I think you broke the record for the cheapest coaching I've ever heard yeah. of. <laughs> I've never heard of someone selling their time for cheaper than two pounds an hour. Yeah. And so when you think about monetization, because you have um, uh, amazing <clears throat> products now, you've got Adonis Gang, Adonis School, uh, you and I have been brainstorming other ways you can help creators and things like that. What have been some of the biggest lessons or mistakes when it comes to monetization? Because I, I started the conversation by saying, you can see people's growth curve on, mm. uh, often where it's like growing, it's just about value. And then all of a sudden you're like, guys, I have a product. And firstly, what I want to say is my belief is monetization is uh, one of the best ways you can help people, right? Mm. That old adage of like people who pay money, pay attention is really true. It doesn't mean free content can't change lives. It's changed mine. But the best growth has always come on the back of a paid course, mentorship, mastermind. And so uh, monetization is nuanced because, yes, you get paid, but also the people get helped. But have you learned any massive lessons or made mistakes when it comes to monetization of, of your audience? Mm. Yeah, so many. So in 2021, what were the lessons there? Don't charge two pounds an hour for coaching. Oh, it was less than two pounds. It was because like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fiverr took a fee as well. So it was, it was about like, I think it was about 95 pennies per hour. <laughs> so, crushing, <laughs> crushing. <laughs> I, I, that was, that's not even something I'd say is a lesson just because it was just, it was very early days. The concept of making money online was still very new to me. So obviously the lesson, yeah, don't, don't work for 95 pennies an hour. But really... I started to make 10K a month after that July when the channel popped off and I made a course. And the reason how I, I went from making less than one pound per hour to 10K a month was just through education. So when I started, I had absolutely no education. I was totally ignorant with how to make money. I knew how to speak online. I knew how to make videos. That was a skill that I'd been learning and developing. I just didn't know how to monetize. Then around... May of that year was when I started to read books. So I read 100 Million Offers. I read some Russell Brunson books. And that's when I realized the concept of selling like info products, having a course, it would keep making money. So the first big lesson is just educate yourself. Learn from what guys are doing who have the success that you have. Trying to figure it out yourself is just totally, totally just, it's arrogant and it's also just very slow. It's like you wouldn't go to the gym without ever learning a single thing about the correct bench press form and just trying to like, you know, grab the bar like a caveman and trying to figure it out. If you're somewhat smart, you'd look online and see what the bench press form is on a YouTube video. If you're smarter than that, save up 30 pounds and get a personal trainer to show you and to give you a hundred pieces of advice in the first hour. That guy who just spends the 30 pounds to do that will make more progress in one month than the guy who's learning on YouTube will in probably six months or a year mm. just because he's put in 30 pounds of just having a professional look at him right so one of the lessons is get the mentorship get the community get the course because you learn so much more and if you can have a professional who's actually giving you feedback that puts your growth on the on the fast track so it was around this time where i started not really paying for the professionals but i connected with guys who actually knew about courses and stuff because i didn't know these things and they told me okay you can make a course you can price it like this and you should watch this video you can you, know, you can do this you can do this these were all the guys who i was coaching myself but they were telling me about the course and that's exactly what happened. So I released the course, 
just at the same time through luck that a video on the same topic of the course blew up. It's getting 100K views a day. Channel goes from 3K subscribers to 10K in like two days, then gains 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 per day for a good few weeks. And I release a course at the exact right time. And it instantly bumps us up to 10K a month. So that's, that's the first big uh, learning lesson. It's just edu educate yourself. But the second big one, which is very similar to what you've just said, is to understand like there is actually a moral duty to monetize. So online, the space right now is that you're, you're, <clears throat> you're kind of seen as cooler if you don't monetize. Like Amozi went viral saying, I have nothing to sell you, which I always hated that message because he's an entrepreneur like me and, and to kind of boast in like, haha, you know, it's, it's a good thing that I'm not monetizing guys. It's set this weird narrative online right now where if you sell something, it's like you've almost got to prove it's not, you're not evil for doing so. And again, it's like, you know, the beliefs from a lack of education when we grew up, every single cartoon and movie that we watched, the, the rich guy was evil. Every single one. Every single movie we watched, every single cartoon, rich guy was evil, always. Mm. So it's it's just like the beliefs that were formed in our minds. So although I was maintaining this 10K a month, I wasn't really scaling past that because of this fear that if I did release another product or if I spoke more about my current product, that people would see it as a bad thing. Because every now and then one person out of a hundred would comment like, oh, it's, I can't afford it, so it's a rip off. Oh, it's a scam. You know, you're selling a course and everyone's like, who sells a course is a scammer or something. And it wasn't a scam, of course not. It's like, you, you can't really scam in the modern day. You just can't. It's like, you can, you can force a refund for anything you buy these days. You can say it wasn't a good quality course or something, fair enough, and that, that could be your opinion, but it was just the fear that I would get more comments like that, that stayed inside of me for a solid like year. So I made more courses, made more things for sale, but I never really pushed them hard. So I accidentally followed a lot of the, the good advice, which is like undersell, don't sell hard and you'll grow more of an audience. Mm -hmm. So even whilst I had 100K, 200K, 500K subs, 1 million subs, 1.5 million, I'd release little things for sale, but they'd be just like, I'd never speak about them. They'd be hidden links and they'd maintain the entire business over 10, 20, 30K per month. And so the audience grew rapidly, but it was always in this fearful mindset that I had that like I couldn't monetize more, otherwise I was a bad person. And the, this belief was broken by an entrepreneur called Andrew Kirby, who had his own channel of like 600K subscribers. And uh, I sent him a screenshot once of just how much money I had made in, in March of this year. It was like $4,000 in the first four days. So I made 1K per day. And he sent me a Loom video back of nine minutes of saying, oh, you know, that like 4,000, like 20K a month is how much you make. And that's really, really good. But with your audience size, you could make a lot more. You could make a product that helps these guys with this and this and they'd pay you. And, and it was like, for the first time, I saw the enthusiasm of another entrepreneur, like actually excited to think, wait, I could make a product that helps people and also makes me a lot of money. It's mm. a win-win. It's like, I can fulfill my purpose by creating a product that people actually want to buy, that they feel like they're getting an awesome deal with. I make a lot of money and so I'm more motivated to work harder on it than I just I am with the YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And so it was a completely new belief formed instantly that if it is my duty actually to, to monetize, at least create one product which I'm selling, because that will just give me the motivation to work harder. As you see, like a lot of people complain, but capitalism can be a beautiful system because it adds motivation to the entrepreneurs to work harder. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And since that moment, I went from flatlining at about $20,000 a month with a channel of 2 million subscribers up to 
100, 150K. And is this, does this coincide with the time that you fired all the team? Yeah, so well, it, this was a few months before that. So we got to the start of this year, we were getting the fastest growth ever, gaining 10, 11,000 subscribers per day. And we were going through money problems and stuff because I was refusing to monetize, I was so scared, you know? And so we had a team of 11 guys, seven video editors helping me, you know, churn out this content, pushing out this message to the young men who needed it, assistants, thumbnail guys. And I remember just one day feeling the physical symptom of like a purpose being peeled back, being completed, a mission being completed, where I couldn't help but just see how stupid the entire thing was. Because I saw the videos that I was making, these heavily edited videos, which have got memes and everything. And I, I just thought, okay, this is stupid because I can actually make more educational videos. And these animations cost me a lot of money. A thousand pounds every single day was going. Because we were uploading a video every single day, which right. had animation. You know, there's editing, which is one thing. But animation is like, that takes these guys like hours to do. So each video, like each day of business was costing me about a thousand pounds. But we were only getting back maybe about 500 600 so i was i was i was being called a scammer but i was a trash entrepreneur so like yeah. so i was looking at it all and just seeing how ridiculous and absurd it was that i was working i was borrowing money from other people to keep the business alive you know to keep sending out this message but i realized the message was just foolish i can give out a better message with an unedited video mm. i don't have i can't even afford this these expenses these are good guys who've stayed with me you know my editors had stayed with me for the last two years and I just felt the exact symptom of like, yep, this this mission is done. I'm just gonna disappear. Like I'm I'm just done with this. It was just, I I really disliked the entire space that I was in. I disliked um, where this was all going to. It, it just I needed like I didn't realize it. I just needed a break. I had produced a uploaded a video every single day for over a year straight without missing a single day. I just didn't realize like how demanding that actually was. Most YouTubers barely make a video once a week and complain about burnout. I posted one every single day that the, like the content machine that we had where basically each editor, I had seven video editors, each one had a day of the week and they'd like, I'd record seven videos even if I was sick, I had a headache, whatever. I had to basically upload a video, record a video every single day without taking a break, right? Yeah. Now imagine tomorrow I'm sick. I've got a headache. Okay, well, the day after that, you've got to record two videos. Oh, but you've traveled. Okay, well, you've got to do three, four. And I was like, it got to the point where for months, every few days, I'd, I'd check my phone. It was from like one of the editors complaining, saying, oh, like, you need to record seven videos tomorrow. You need to record five videos tomorrow because you're going away for a few days. You're doing this, you're doing this. You need to record four videos tomorrow. Right. And so my health deteriorated for the first time as an adult. I really felt what it meant to like have bad health. I was waking up with nosebleeds, with like brown snot coming from my nose, waking up almost every day with headaches if I didn't drink coffee, uh, not sleeping through the night, anxious, hating like my life, hating my girlfriend, hating like losing muscle, gaining body fat and everything. I'd never experienced like health before as a young man. And so I'm just sat there looking at my laptop screen thinking this is just pointless. This, the whole operation is just stupid. Like we've built it up iterated to get better and better and better and better. And I just realized that sometimes you've got to start from zero again. Mm. So I thought about it still, messaged everyone, messaged my sister, messaged my friend, asked for advice, journaled and journaled and journaled, and eventually sent everyone the message. They're like, we were just going into a different path and I'm just gonna go solo from now. So I basically I fired everyone, including my best friend, uh, basically never spoke to him again and um, just kept like my assistant 
moved back home. I was on the other side of the world as well. I was in Thailand and it was just like, I, you know, I'd been this big like YouTube superstar and suddenly I just looked around and it was like, oh, I've got two million subscribers and I've got zero friends and right. I'm just like here on the other side of the world by myself. And so I, I basically wasted like a month of my life staying in Thailand and just kind of like going to cafes with my girlfriend and everything. And, you know, just like, she's still happy. You're, she's, you're she was having a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, she was having such a good time. We go into cafes all the time. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm journaling, trying to find my purpose in life. Yeah. And she's, oh my God, I get to spend so much time with you. Like, yeah. But well, why, why I ask that is because <laughs> firstly, there's monetization lessons in that. I think one of the things I pick up uh, from your journey that I see often is that we launch products and then they do well and then rather than trying to double down on making that product have longevity we launch another product mm -hmm. so then you have like this swiss army knife of like you know kind of the all these products that kind of work and so i think there's lessons in there for sure um i also remember uh, early on a mentor saying to me if you don't make the money you can't sustain the message mm -hmm. so no matter how meaningful what you have to say is if you don't figure out a way to monetize in some way through sponsorships adsense info products your your the lack of money is going to lead you to a point where you can't even sustain the message that you want to have mm. but your that video uh i fulfilled my purpose uh the one we're talking about where this decision uh came to be you stopped the daily uploads you, you fired the team was the first video of yours i'd shared and i put it in a group chat with a bunch of entrepreneurs because the month before i let all my team go so then it was just me and a virtual assistant. And I felt so free. I wasn't I wasn't quite on the eat, pray, love journey you were, where you're like, what's my purpose? I was, all I knew is I hated the previous version of business I had and I was looking for the the, the better version. I was really encouraged uh, to hear the way that you were talking of like, you're just being more intentional and more conscious. When you, when you look back on uh, your audience growth, what are some of the key things that you think, uh, obviously the hustle of a daily video, making sure that it's good. I think the takeaways I have is your messaging, your marketing, Jeffrey, Adonis, giving a crap, like empathy, all of those things play a part, of course. But if you were to sit down with a creator who's at 1,000 subscribers, at 10,000 subscribers, and they have similar ambitions of a big audience, what would be some of the piece of advice you'd give them that when you think back on your journey of being the biggest lessons that have served you well to building a great audience? Mm. Constant improvements. It was very... It was very straightforward for us because it was a self-improvement channel so naturally my mind had already gravitated to improve every, everything by one percent a day so we were improving the editing the videos i was specifically going through like every step of the sort of content machine and trying to improve it so i hired someone to manage the editors and to give them a f piece of feedback with every video they did so that they would get one percent better then the thumbnail guy, same thing. Then for me, I realized that there's like 15 different skills you use when you speak on camera. There's leadership, influence, persuasion, sales, there's how you look, how you talk, how you sit, the setting behind you, the story that you tell. So there's so many skills, just constantly trying to improve each aspect of the content machine and realizing there's probably 50 different bits of it that you can improve on. So best way to go about that is to figure out what the constraint is. So maybe the constraint is like, it's probably not gonna be editing, honestly. For most people, the constraint is just speech skills. So like, study 10 books on speaking. Simple as that, study a book on leadership, study a book on storytelling, get some storytelling coaching. Learn these skills and the way that I set apart as a YouTuber in 2021 and 2022 is that I would do the YouTube work, I'd record the videos 
But then I'd spend four hours a day trying to improve my skill or like to learn more about the things that I'd teach. Most YouTubers don't do that. They're too busy. They're doing other things. So I would do the YouTube work and then I'd just learn to do the YouTube work better. So people ask me today, it's like, oh, Hamza, what's the secrets? They're, you know, speaking on camera. I'm like, bro, there's 900 videos on my channel. What do you mean the secrets? What do you mean the secrets? How, how many videos have you recorded? Zero? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, oh, three videos? Okay. Get it to 100 first. No questions. Get it to 100 first. That's really what I say to You've mentioned like they've already got 1,000 or 10,000. seems to me like most people are far below that where really it's just like they're not even getting to like the gym. They're, right. they're just not even getting the reps and they're, they're overthinking, asking questions. So I have a rule, which is that I won't give anyone advice if they haven't got at least 50 videos for these young guys. Yeah. Nope, not listening to you. Hamza had, nope, I'm not gonna listen. Just, it's not worth my time. Just show me you've done 50 videos first. Then we'll talk about optimizing it. The fat guy, imagine he's telling you like, oh yeah, when I find the perfect workout routine, that's when I'll get into the gym. Yeah, yeah. No, just, just literally just show up to the gym and you're gonna make progress. Yeah. 50 times for just one month, two months, you're gonna make progress. Then we can talk about, okay, you know, there's this tactic you can use, there's this workout routine. Many people are on the first or below the first stage, which is just like, they're just not even getting the videos uploaded. Yeah. It's this overthinking the script oh the camera needs to be light the, the writing needs the lighting needs to be right the, the scripting the editing the thumbnail all of these things you need a certain amount of videos that you've just recorded you don't even really need to upload them just that you've sat down press record watched them over and you started to improve a little bit that's like probably more than 50 percent of people need to hear that but then specifically for the guys who are at about a thousand to ten thousand in more of a mass niche A lot of it's just psychological. I think that's why I, was, I dominated is because I didn't think that much about views and subscribers, especially not click-through rate and average watch time retention like everyone talks about on YouTube. Obviously, I studied YouTube and I saw the Mr. The Beast podcast that everyone else did and everyone started saying, oh, well, all you need is click-through rate and watch them. Click-through rate and watch them. No, no, no. Go and actually look at the analytics of any of your high-performing videos. Guarantee click-through rate is a lot slower than you think. Guarantee average view duration is a lot lower than you think. So it's not actually that then, is it? So what is it? What is it that causes a lot of success for this kind of creator, like an educator? It's how valuable the lessons actually are. We're not playing the YouTube game. We're not playing this game. Like we don't actually, we've never cared about the random little piece of like analytical data that YouTube supplied us with because my top videos that have got millions of views, the click-through rate is like 2%. The average watch time retention is like 9%. People are saying, oh, but you need 60. Mr. B said you need 60% average watch time, average view duration. My top videos are about 10% but they've got literally 3 million, 2 million, 4 million views. So why are so many people watching that? It's because of just psychology. They feel like they're a part of something bigger. They relate to my story and they know that I'm being authentic because I've opened up and I'm speaking about failures and mistakes. And basically I, I'm talking to them about things that no one else has really spoke about the bravery that it takes as a creator to look into the camera and say, here are seven ways that I failed. Here's something which is deep about me. So now for these guys, they're thinking about me outside of YouTube. They're literally like, these young guys, they're in the school bus right now, literally still thinking about me. Every single day, they're doing the same habit. Like let's say, you know, it's 4 p.m. In, in America or something. He's having his dinner or whatever at the same time. And he's here for Hamza's video. 
every single day because he's now built up this connection because he knows more about me than even my family do. And there's not many creators who are actually sharing those those deep stories, often, especially in, in more of the, the business videos. It's often quite like surface level, just techniques and strategies. People don't really buy into that these days, not for the last few years. They mm. buy into your story. It's like the fact that you're married with children is deeply attractive. I said that to you just before, like that's so, so appealing because no one actually wants more leads. No one cares about that. No one cares about funnels or, or any of that stuff. People don't even care about money, honestly. They care about all of those things and what they think it would lead them to, which is the happy marriage. It is like living the dream life. Mm. That's what they want. And and for many businessmen or creators, they're not actually showing that to just saying, oh, here's like, here's, you know, the technique that you can use. How about you start your video off with this private story that you usually wouldn't talk about in public yeah. and then see what happens. Well, here's what's really interesting is like, whether it's music, you think about we've literally had, we've got more music now than in time in history, of course, because it just keeps getting added to it. It's like creators, same thing, coaches, educators, like in one sense, there's never been a worse time because there's so many. If it would be amazing to start a YouTube channel 10 years ago and take that seriously, now there's more competition. But I find it like really reassuring because most people are on the internet pretending. So if you show up and be real, there's a whole blue ocean out there. And I think a lot of people are, um, are all sizzle, no substance, right? So you just get some flashy animations and things like that. And you get chat GPT to write your script. And it's like, bro, like, I, like that, that's not going to scale in the sense that people aren't going to deeply connect with that. And I find it like hilarious where people are just starting out and they're like, I just need to get an editor. I need to get an editor. And I'm like, look at Hormozy's earliest videos. They were shot on a webcam and exported in 360p from a Facebook Live and and they were epic, right? And so one of the things that I always think about, and you kind of alluded to it, is when your free content is so good, it could be paid, mm. right? And that's a great metric to think about. Like the, the stuff that like in my little YouTube channel where it's at a few thousand views and people are like, this is amazing. People will say like, I can't believe this is free. And I think that's a great metric of whether whether you're sharing your story and being vulnerable and being authentic and you're just being real or whether you're giving advice, it's trying to give people something that is rare, right? Whether it's authenticity, whether it's expertise, it's showing up in such a way that um, is unusual, that's uncommon while everyone else is hiding behind flashy animations and AI written scripts mm. and just surface level stuff, going deep with people and sharing the the who behind the what and the the why and the the story and the expertise I think it's so rare. Mm. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you was, um, you open up the YouTube app and you scroll to the comment section. You have some videos that are three hours long, no editing, and you have people who go, "I freaking love this, never change, this is amazing." And then you have other people in your comments. And obviously this is not hypothetical. This is real because I've read some of these comments. Other people go, this is too long. This is ridiculous. I won't ever watch this. And then in this morning, I saw you uploaded like a 15 minute video. And some people were like, this is amazing. You've changed my life. And other people were like, you're a sellout. Where are the full guides that are three hours long? That's a silly example. But as you build an audience, you gain credibility and criticism. How do you stay... Uh, how do you not let that affect you as a creator? How do you not let that affect what, what like, like uh, what's the saying? It's like the, the tail is wagging the dog, 
right? How do you not let the audience steer you mm. into the, the direction where you're now creating based on the comments? Mm, yeah, that's a brilliant question. So there's a term called audience capture, which is what we're talking about here. That's when your audience captures you and they make you theirs. You see this a lot with live streamers because with the live chat feature, there's this constant positive and negative reinforcement. So you see many live streamers, like I won't say who, but you can probably think of them, who basically have, have just turned crazy because they're constantly being positively reinforced to behave in like some kind of abrupt, silly, arrogant, aggressive, loud way. Because that, you know, the, the, the comment that says W, <laughs> you don't realize how much that actually changes. So if I'm live streaming, for example, and I'll say something, and the chat fills with W's, or, oh my God, he's right, whatever. It's like that belief has formed stronger in my mind right now because we're still animals. We're still like little little like cavemen, monkeys who are very simple in our brains. And so mm -hmm. we seek this approval from others so much. So I remember once I, I just announced on YouTube, I've kind of went slightly against this, but I just said like, I'm not reading the comments anymore because no offense, I'm not sure how many people in the comments are actually that intelligent. I can't verify it. I know it sounds like an asshole, but I can't actually verify the intelligence and the experience and the wisdom of anyone who comments. And I can't risk going to the comments and, and letting my brain be influenced by so many people because it will undeniably happen. And the negative comments are like, they're fine. Oh yeah, you're this, okay, you're this, has an insult, okay, whatever. That's negative, like you, you fear hate when you first begin, but as a bigger creator, you an, an intelligent creator, you realize that the positive comments can be much worse. Hate will make you feel bad for five minutes. Positive comments will steal your soul from you because you will start to go down a path that was not actually for you because of this validation from others. So it's just something to bear in mind. It is absolutely like a part of the suffering that you basically sign up for. Practical strategies that I use. I have six YouTube extensions that I use six. And I, they all do like something um, different. And I, I don't remember the names of them, but I've done a video if you're, if anyone wants to go see it, maybe you'll, you'll link it or something. But there's like six different extensions. And it basically means that my YouTube page is just white. There's literally nothing. There's no videos there. There's no thumbnails or anything. If I do click onto a video, like I can still search. If I do click onto a video, I see just the video and like the little settings of like, you know, pause and volume and stuff. I don't even see the guy's subscribers. I don't see the d description. I don't see the share button, the like button. I can't even scroll down to the comments or anything like that. Of course, I can just turn off the extensions within a second, but it's just this extra little bit of friction. And what this means is when I do click onto my own video, because I watch my own videos like every day, when I do click onto it, there's a bit of friction to scroll down to see the comments. So it's just a practical thing. And just doing this has reduced how much I consume YouTube by probably 75% and also reduce how often I go to the, the comments. Now it's a very intentional thing where I'll go to the comments specifically to write a certain comment because I wanna do maybe a call to action or wanna you know, add to like something else to the to the video. But that, that's one of the biggest things and, and it's a very tough job, not because it's, it's that demanding of your time or energy, but just psychologically can really mess you up. So there's a video if, if your fans are interested, if they just search audience capture on YouTube, it's from after school, like the animation channel. I found that video like very, very important where it just breaks down the concept of audience capture. Um, and the final point you just mentioned of 
how I'll have some comments which are so different from others. One guy loves this video, another guy hates this video. I make a different video and some people love this and some people don't. This is why so many creators have got such bad mental health because they don't actually have like a source of consistent advice. I've said before that especially for live streamers, but even for just big creators with lots of comments, it's kind of like the comments on live chat is like some deformed beast that controls their life. That just like, it, it just spazzes out every now and then and just like, you know, says something racist. And then it says something really polite. Then it's like, you know, it says nice, really nice polite things. And then it just says something really bad to you and everything. It just, and you don't realize as a creator how much of this weird beast is now controlling your life because this is like your master. If you are someone who's staring at the live chat as you live stream or you're constantly reading the comments. So it's just something to bear in mind for all the creators out there. You've got to be very careful. Even if you have a, like a smaller audience, every comment on that list right now is actually influencing you more than you realize. And this is a path to why I said it's like, you know, you lose your soul is because your soul is supposed to have like this path that was aligned to it. Like you have like a purpose to be on this planet. But the battle is, especially as men, is to stay disciplined, to stay on our purpose, even though there are desires and, and things that pull us away from that. And this is a new beast that we we have not mastered yet. So it's just something to bear in mind. Like this is spiritual suicide if you allow the comments to change who you are. So you mm. need that time off. You need the the moments of clarity. Some of not even the happiest moments of my life, not even close, are the days and or week or so where I take a little road trip with my girlfriend and I don't use technology. And I we just Literally, we're just driving for a week's late. We, we sleep in the car. And for the first part of the drive, I'm realizing just how many thoughts of mine are, are based from YouTube. And I'm thinking about this beef that I had with this guy a year ago. And I'm thinking about this comment and this one and this decision and this thing. And it's very specific, practical advice. But this has really, really helped me is driving or getting to a place where there's a broad horizon, like a big landscape. So mountains, lakes, I found that as soon as we get to that kind of environment, all of that constrained thinking stops. And it's, I start thinking about the big picture and it always comes to the fatherhood. And it's like, that's when it's like, this is the real me now. This is, I, I needed that refresher of like, this is why I'm doing this. This is who I am. This is my purpose. This is my mission. When I don't have that, like I haven't for like a little while when I first met you. And that's why I felt like a little bit directionless. Sometimes you, this comes from a conversation, but it's just literally the happiest periods of my life over the last few years has just been those few days where I haven't touched my phone at all, been driving in the car, and it's just like all of it washes away and I'm like back in the, the real world. And I just get like these really wholesome thoughts thinking, you know what, I'd, I'd really love to even detach more from technology. I'd, I'd want to be almost like a wild man who you know, someone puts the camera in my face to record and that's it. I don't even use the technology myself. They upload it. They do all the editing. No, no input from me. I just talk to the camera. And the, the vision I always have is like one day we'll be at some supermarket or something and someone will come up and be like, oh, hey, Hamza, like congratulations on 5 million subscribers. I'll be like, oh, five. Like I, I thought we were still on two. Because like, I, yeah, I just, this is like a quick side tangent, but I just think that sort of natural way of living is just yeah. very important. So frequent trips into nature, frequent trips away from your phone and from technology, it's easier said than done. And it's definitely a privilege, but it's the privilege that you have as, as a creator 
that since we don't actually need that much time like input for the business often you can record like a, a whole week's worth of content in like three hours and if you've checked off everything else and you're ahead of yourself in work if you just disappear turn your phone off and just go somewhere where your eyes can see like a very broad landscape that's when I find that I return back to being me and I realize just how inauthentic just how I had been controlled like a, almost like a puppet but not in an evil way just you know like we, we crave the the validation and love we we mm. are stood in this tribe and we really want the tribe to accept us and that can just force you down a path that you didn't even realize you were going on so it's just really nice to detach away and realize like the real tribe is here in blood and flesh mm. the real goal is is those bigger things it isn't the how many subscribers we're, we're growing at per day it's making sure that everyone in my family is eating high quality foods it's it's making sure every month or so i'm getting closer to being a fantastic father I love that, dude. I just wanted to finish off by just acknowledging you. Like for, for the creators and the entrepreneurs uh, watching this and learning from uh, your tribe, your movement, who might be tuning in for this, I just want to uh, thank you for for adopting this mission, right? I've never seen uh, people's YouTube comments be so overwhelmingly positive and so strongly in favor of how much you've changed people's lives. And... Uh, I just want to acknowledge you for that, that there is a real war of good and evil, right? Whether you just believe that that people are creating social media companies and, uh, you know, food companies and it's just like self-interest and they're trying to make money or whether you believe there's like an evil agenda or whatever, um, there are very few good guys fighting the good fight and you're one of them and I just want to acknowledge you for that. And uh, my hope and kind of prayer for you is that you never lose sight of why you started and you never lose sight of young Hamza because there are a lot of men who are uh, in that state that need you. And so never forget the destiny and calling and mission that you have for your life that's so much bigger than the amazing money that you'll make and the amazing uh, life that you'll create for yourself. But it's a mission that only you can fulfill. So grateful for everything you've done and so excited to see everything you're going to do, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Scale School. I hope you found something valuable in today's episode. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that so you can be notified every time we drop future episodes. And if you and I have not already connected, feel free to track me down on any one of the social media platforms. My big head and smiling face are no doubt going to be there. And you can just search my name, Dan Bolton, and we can connect there. But thank you again for tuning in, and I'll see you in a future episode.